0: ah yes my friends when the post game podcast ends the post pod podcast begins we'll be covering everything with you the fans chopping it up for not only the most recent games but also high level topics such as is it time for a fire sale in brooklyn we dive in coming up next you are locked on nets your daily brooklyn nets podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there's Doug Norrie. I'm Adam Marbrek. We thank you, as always, for making us your first listen. We're free on all those great platforms. And, Doug, we kick off the post-pod pod with really, I think, a-, a question that needs to be asked at this point because the trade deadline looms and because, as we discussed the potential for the Houston Rockets trade, the only version where we would let go of Mikhail Bridges, there is a world where it's not just should the Nets hold a fire sale, but could the Nets actually come out on the winning side of making some really fire sale type decisions specifically around Mikhail bridges and Cameron Johnson. I can paint quite an interesting picture.
1: I mean, you're not going to trade Mikhail bridges and Cameron Johnson in the short term and get better almost for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. I I, I think just with the, with who you'd probably be bringing in, I, I just don't think that that's a reasonable scenario, even though, Bridges has been terrible, uh, like okay, terrible relative to what we thought he was going to be, right? Like, yeah. he's kind of back, sort of to just Phoenix Suns, <laughs> Mikhail Bridges. Right. Like, not Which, the by guy the way, means we, he
0: still is desirable by teams that view him in the same way that he was viewed coming out of Phoenix, right? One would
1: think, one would think, but I mean, clearly, you would have to think the trade value is lower now than it sat. You know, the on the last day of the last season, or even you know a few weeks ago, it's probably. I don't right. think, I don't think front offices don't overreact like sometimes you know we do or whatever. So I, I think that like it wouldn't have dropped precipitously now, but you do have to believe it's like hard to see him as like a top fifty player right now the way right. the way that he's playing. It's been a really really rough stretch for him. So you're not going to get better by trading Bridges and Cam Johnson in the short term, really to anyone. The question just becomes. Sort of like who would be interested in these guys and how, like we said on the last bit here, is how uncomfortable you're willing to get as a team. And that's hard. And so I'm sure there's scenarios. We could talk to Donovan Mitchell, I guess, but like, I mean, I have a comment about him specifically, but yeah, no, this is the, they're they're in an incredibly tough spot right now. Yeah, well, I'll just, I mean, for me personally, I'll I'll do this just to illustrate
0: the idea of a fire sale and what that looks like. And it isn't even going all the way down to Nicholas Claxton's or others. Who knows how you want to really talk about that from an every single player standpoint. But I'll include the two players that we discussed, Royce O'Neill, Dorian Finney Smith, like guys we feel like they should have moved on almost regardless of how the team was going, and then Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson. So you we've illustrated the Mikhail Bridges to Houston before. Let's get back control of some of our draft capital. So you get back three first that you control of your own picks from Houston. Okay, great. And in the process, you grab yourself a couple of young players. Maybe it's an Eason. Maybe it's a green. You can mix and match those. You go to the Lakers, and the rumors have been out there that they're interested in Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal as potential fits for their roster. It's not hard to give them both those players. Grab a first-round pick. Grab a Hood Shafino, Make some salary matches. And then the last piece you do is you go to Detroit, who is looking into Cameron Johnson in the offseason, a floor spacer to help that young team grow. Okay, great. We'll take a look at a couple of young players that you maybe have on your roster. Maybe it's just taking a Weissman to have the salary dump at the end of the season, but you get back a couple of first-round picks on him. That expires at the end of the year, Doug. At the end of all this, though, the Nets end up with control of their own first-round picks and another, in totality, with those included, seven or eight first-round picks And then you have a few more young players to look at. You have your own young players to develop. It doesn't project as being a high winning team in the short term, but it does project in the, I think the OKC model of having a lot of draft capital, control of your own stuff and the ability to kind of dictate your own future, which as we've always said, the Nets just don't have right now.
1: Yeah, so we put we put out this Mikhail Bridges thing. Like I, we talked about it online weeks ago, and then did a podcast about it recently. I will say the one piece of this has changed for me. It's got nothing to do with whether I would want the Nets to do it. I actually think that it would be the move to do. I actually worry now that if the Rock, even if the at the very, price slim chances, even had to like actually even happen, yeah. right, is that if the Rockets look at this situation and they're like, this might just be a good pick. <laughs> Right, the way the Nets are playing right now, like that just could be a lottery pick, and we don't even have to give anything up because right now, I mean, following this game, Nets are 15 and 19, ninth in the East. It's it's really tough to see them like you know winning multiple playing games at this point. Look, the season's yeah. long; multiple things can happen. Right, this these things change so quickly. But there, you could reach a point where you're discussing stuff with Houston, even if it was realistic, maybe not. And they're like, I don't know that pick just might be good, <laughs> right? And next year's yeah. pick might be good because yeah, yeah. it's hard to see your way it's, out of this. It's the same and way
0: that I, that that we were talking about Nets looking at Phoenix and going, oh, well, all of a sudden those Phoenix picks, they could get juicier a lot sooner than we thought because of the injuries and the dysfunction and what have you. So there is that, there is that part of this too where you're like, Houston goes, yeah,
1: we'll see. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll, 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 let's just see what happens. I mean, you they make a the hard make choice it. first,
0: Brooklyn, not us,
1: right? Yeah, right. And so, this is the problem. This is the crisis the Nets are in right now. And from a team building crisis, I'm being serious about the word crisis. Like, this is a crisis. Like, they have a bad problem here. They have a bad problem that the team in the, you know, so far fit 34 games in. No, the, t- add in how they played early in the year. Just yeah, take yeah. the 34 game sample. Yeah. The 34 games in are 15 and 19. That's just where they are. So, like, take their four games under 500 they have no top end talent at all they have almost no way to get it short of just you know shipping off picks that they have like that they you know these other teams picks this yeah. these suns picks and the mavs picks and stuff like that they have not, like there's they this is a bad situation like this is a really really this is a real rough one because there are so few ways out of this right now that aren't just you know, essentially the equivalent of just bailing, bailing water out of the boat with a bucket that's too small, (laughs) right? Like they, like they just can't, and, and you'll never be able to catch up. And, and that's, and that's like the problem. They're really staring down this problem right now.
0: It feels a little bit like they're in this mode of either go all in quote unquote, or go all out. And either decision isn't going to feel any better or worse. It's all potentially bad here. In a second, let's illustrate that all in and also get into all the fan questions here as we come out of this bad 112 to 85 loss to the Pelicans. We'll get to that in just one second.
1: All right, one more time to make myself feel better. The NFL season is wrapping up. Still time to get on the action with FanDuel America's number one sports book. That's because new customers over on FanDuel right now. Reminder. All you got to do is place a $5 bet. You can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed, win or lose. That $5 real money bet goes in, win or lose. You're grabbing $150 in bonus bets that you can use on everything on the site, live game parlays. You can find bets in the Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. You can find what other people are parlaying together as well. It's all there for you on FanDuel. All you do is is go visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL.
0: All right. So as we continue with the post pod podcast fire sale, anyone now, we don't want to totally do that. But the other thing that I think comes out of this stretch of games, Doug, is we'll get into the comments at locked on nets. We already have a few ready to go here, including ones like these from Hamilton Santos. Doug's too happy. Yep. He said that right off the bat, right at the start of the podcast. He said, what's this guy doing? Too happy. Fiddling, having too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> the bottom line is that not happy. The, um. The Brooklyn Nets, the one thing that I want to add into it was, the other idea was, well, trade for Donovan Mitchell. And we already know that the Cavs don't seem like they're really going to move him. But people mentioned, go for marketing well, By the way, we've heard from the Jazz now that they're talking about setting the same kind of hole that they want to get back when they traded Bear. Five first-rounders. Like there's, there's really lofty price tags being put on them. So the other problem here, I think, about this stretch is, to your point about a difficult spot for the organization, we don't look good enough on the court to suggest that adding a Donovan Mitchell is what's that going to do? Like save us, keep us as a play in team, make us a first round exit team. You can't make those kind of decisions and sacrifice that trying to draft capital in the short term. When the sample of what you have right now is not good enough to warrant making that move, right? Like we, we entertain those discussions, even though you and I said, we wouldn't do it. We entertain those because the team is a game or two above 500. Cause they're in the right kind of spot here. Cause they can get over top of a couple of teams in the last 10 games. Every team that was slightly behind them has gotten over top of them. They all look stronger and the nets continue to look weaker
1: and weaker. That's the other problem too. When you look around the East about who, uh, who might be buyers and who might be sellers, the list of buyers gets longer Yeah. because the nets are worse. Yeah. <laughs> like if you yeah. do, do the math, right? It's like the more the nets drop in the standings in the East, another team can just go up and replace them that they might not feel like they need to start selling because they can start looking at a team that they can beat in the standings. You know, the Bulls are probably looking at this way. The Hawks are probably looking at them this way. I, yeah. Heck, even the Raptors, right? Like, the Raptors now bring in RJ, bring in IQ, pair them with Siakam. We'll see what the, they already said. They're like, we're going to wait a month and see how this works. Yep. They've said it. Like, they're like, we're going to see a month and see how this works. And if it works together, then maybe Siakam gets re-signed. Like, right. you don't know. this, And this is what I mean about, like, sort of like sometimes one team like the Nets is not going to shift in landscape, but will make some of these other teams in the same range look a little different about their situation because they know they're just one less team to sort of fight with. And this is, uh, this is a problem here. I do not think the Cavs are going to trade Donovan Mitchell, by the way. I, like I, I know that's a name that gets, it really only feels like it's talked about in Nets world. Like I, I don't see that. Right? Cause you want and, it. Cause you need it. So of course, but like <laughs> so. they that, just one more note about this. And we'll get into some of these comments about, yeah, uh, about yeah. a spider is that they, they, that, that starting lineup, because the injuries, has played something like 150 minutes total together. The team that they drew up would bring in Struess as a stretch four, a stretch three. Um, like they could kind of space the kind of the one guy they needed last year. Akoro's looked a lot better. Like they just haven't played enough minutes together to sell it off. And he's still on their contract for another year. I, I just don't right. see it. And even if they did, I actually don't think the Nets' offer is attractive enough for guys that they would want to reset the deck with. So. I just don't think it lines up at all, actually, for the Nets. Uh, and,
0: and honestly, by the way, they're uh, five and three over the last eight games, and they play the Wizards next to the Cavaliers. So they're they that's could without, be like that's games. without like,
1: Garland and Mobley, who like Mobley, Garland broke his face and uh, Mobley had surgery on his knee. They're both right. due back in a few weeks here. Like they're just not gonna they're not gonna punt on it. If anything, it's the other way. It's the
0: Cavs might be looking at the Nets and saying, you know, Royce a Dorian Finney-Smith, maybe there's a piece here that we could add to help continue to make ourselves a competitive team this year because their record and where they are right now at 18 and 15 in the East, like, These are the kind of teams that are going to be saying, okay, what's a margin move we can make here to continue to keep ourselves in that conversation. The nets are fading away from being able to say we need to make a big ad even or even a marginal ad. I should say as well. Hey, blah. uh, What have we done to suffer this much? Listen, man. um, You know, you grow up where you grow up. Your, your, Your parents put the wrong hat on you when you were a child. I don't know what to tell you. Listen, I grew up in New Jersey. That was my mistake. I should have been born in LA. I'm pretty sure would have been the ideal spot or maybe Boston. But we live with the pain that we have given ourselves here to this point. Here's another one from uh, Cart. Uh, JV coached in Orlando 10 years ago, and they said he had a bad team. So that wasn't a clear indication of his coaching. Now we know the truth. They had a bad coach. I still think that Orlando was a bad team back then. But it can also just be true that Jock Vaughn may be more destined to be on a staff as opposed to leading a staff. Uh, you, you, you hear this all the time. Like some, co- some NBA coaches and NFL sees this a lot coordinators. Hey, I can focus on one aspect of a team, but when you give me the entire reign, it just becomes more things to juggle. And I, I would say to this point, the sample size suggests that Jock Vaughn does not maximize the talent that he has on his roster. Cause I don't think this team is as bad as it's performed of
1: the worst mistake they made with Vaughn, who I've, like, enjoyed listening to, again, I said it before, earlier in the podcast, I think he's a thoughtful guy. Yeah. Like, I think he gives really thoughtful answers. I think it's it's not for lack of thinking about this or whatever, right? Like, I don't think. He's a way I, better head weird. coach
0: than you are for Nets fans, right? Like, he's not, you know, same we yeah. talk about players.
1: I think the one, the mistake, and we said this at the time, too, it was confusing, that. They when they signed them, they extended them like right away for three years. That was always a head scratching move to me. Yeah. Like I, it just didn't make sense to tie yourself with the organization in such flux. Like you just did not know where this was going. You, you know, you were just out of this major disaster zone. I that's that's why they did it, right? They wanted to lend stability to the organization after a time of of deep deep instability. Yeah, but extending them out three years. I'm worried also that that is going to end up being throwing good money after bad because they're going to look at the contract and say, you know, if they, if they want even if they wanted to move on, let's say they don't want to, because they have more years on the contract. Another problem here, we didn't mention this before we, I think we've mentioned this on other podcast. I know we've been mentioned another podcast is that if Sean Marks were to fire Vaughn, that really, that would be his fourth coach. And I just like, there's not GM. That would be his, no, he'd be moving into his fourth coach. Mm. Most GMs don't get four shot cra- cracks at the coaching carousel, but most don't like, get three. So, from that standpoint, most don't get three. Like, most don't get three, get four. Like, you don't get four. Like, <laughs> at some point, you hired the wrong guys. Like, yeah. you had Atkinson, maybe he was the right guy, but you let him I go because yeah. you wanted to get a big name in and you brought a Nash and you let the other guys in the room make a decision for you, right? Yeah. Like, okay, well, that's a problem. That's your fault. Two, you fire Nash which probably was the right thing to do. definitely was the right thing to do at the time. And you hire Vaughn fine, but you them, that, what's that? But you extend them. So you, and you extend it. them. It's and that. now, and so I just don't, I, I'm worried that actually that's going to factor into the decision. I'm not even saying yes or no, they should fire him. I'm just saying that if you got to the point where you thought you shouldn't, you didn't because of the other extension, right. that's problematic also.
0: And that's, that's the issue around. It's the same thing with, I'm not, you know, again, whether they should or they shouldn't have, when you traded Kevin Durant and you got McHale and you got Cameron Johnson at the time, you could say, Hey, four more picks from the Grizzlies reported for McHale, right? Maybe some value for Cameron Johnson. You can make that choice in the moment. You don't for maybe the right reasons at the time, but now here you are, and you don't feel like you can make that different decision now, right? Jock Vaughn, you put him in there after you let go of Steve Nash, stability. He had been with the organization. It makes sense at the moment, but now you're overcommitted to the point where maybe now you don't feel like you can make the right choice, right? It is it is an interesting spot, and from a Sean Marks perspective or from a Joe Sai perspective, I guess that the owner and GM are just on the same page, for better or worse, that it feels like decisions get made through them collectively so that Sean Marks is secure because Joe Sy probably feels like, well, if I fire Sean Marks, I'm saying that I made the wrong decision. And, and he doesn't want to acknowledge that he made the wrong choice, right? We made uh, was, uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving didn't work out. Well, there's a lot of reasons why that didn't go our way. Here's our new set of, of ideas about how we want to approach it. That doesn't work out. Well, here's some reasons for that. We were stuck with Ben Simmons through the James Harden trade because that didn't work out, right? You can tell yourself a story that makes it feel like a lot of bad luck has befallen us, but if we can just get ourselves back to stability, we can start to be the team that we
1: envisioned being when I took this you know, organization over. And, and it's just gonna be a, that's just gonna be a tough sell. And actually, tonight, uh, we got a few more questions or a few yeah. more comments here, but tonight's one of the first nights. If you kind of see some of the comments by Nets Media, uh, I'm not gonna go through all this right now, but like yeah. if you look at some comments by entrenched Nets Media, you know, that we are friends with and we know, and like you know, that this is this is the first time I've seen these ideas floated to right. Yeah. That like changes need to come. And I said, and those just don't always come from nowhere too. like, right. Like these are, this is the first time where I've seen sort of a collective among the people that speak about this team on a professional level that have kind of started to say sort of like we're doing tonight for the first time, which is these are the, these are the, the the low points that sometimes you see a move made I, so i don't just think we're on an island here and by yeah. the way i'm not saying again i know people there's people out there that have been calling for this forever and it's always egregiously silly to me like everyone that wants everyone fired all the time get rid of everybody and like if you're one of those people just like i don't know there's, there's better ways to spend your life but there's i'm just saying like it's very it's easy to see the writing on the wall from this particular game that yeah. we could be headed this direction
0: and we'll, by the way, we won't do it on this episode of the bonus, but we will have to talk about what. Like, what does that look like if they let go of Jock Vaughn? You know, you have someone like Ronnie Burrell. You have a lot of young players. You have Kevin Ollie as well on your coaching staff. You have a lot of young members and guys, specifically in Burrell, that coach the G League players, coached a lot of these young guys that you have on your roster and has done a lot of development in that regard. So you have some in-house candidates, but then who are the out, you know, outside candidates that could make sense potentially for this team? Jonathan frequent flyer with us. Both the Lakers and Mavs are desperate need of reinforcements and both Royce and Doe are coveted by them. Can a three team deal between them and Brooklyn get back the assets? Yeah. I mean, I think any of these two, like I will also acknowledge when you talk about moving any type of players, I think a third team sometimes becomes almost logical because there's money that has to move. The nets maybe want to also find a way to get themselves off of a contract. Like if money has to, so for example, the Lakers, Gabe Vincent's the name that gets thrown out there. He makes a little over 10 million, helps to make money match. Well, the Nets don't want a three-year contract on their books. So a third team helps facilitate that. Putting those three teams together probably gets a little bit trickier because both the Lakers and the Mavs will be looking to dump something and they'll be looking to dump it on Brooklyn. If you can live with it for one year, it's okay. But I think ideally you want to try to find a way to mitigate taking on, you know, older contracts, mid-veteran contracts, and keep yourself clean immediately going into the next offseason.
1: Yeah. A couple more here. Um, several players, this Nader, some, several players tonight look like they'd rather be anywhere else. You think JB lost the locker room? I actually never thought this until tonight. Um, and I thought this before this, I, we mentioned this earlier in the podcast. Uh, this is the first time I thought, thought like the energy level and the overall body language, which I think people can read way too much into often. So like, I, I, I but tonight I did think like oh this is just a weird vibe going on. We mentioned earlier in the podcast about some weird quotes that have come out from him recently. The Bucs thing, yep. I'm still on the page of the Bucks, the resting the Bucks thing. That's an organizational decision. I've, I I will do not think that would just be a Jacques Vaughn thing. Like that's a right. thing that's made with everybody in mind. GM to Vaughn down to the trainers. Like I think that like when you make a decision to rest everybody like they did against the Bucks, that's not just one dude sitting in an office, and then going and telling anybody. I'm I, right. I, I'm not po- 100% positive, but I'm, like, 99% positive about that. Um, but, yes, body language, energy, all the stuff, plus some of these quotes that have come out this week, I just think the whole situation is super weird and, and troubling. And I actually wonder if we're, like, one game – like, if they go out and get completely rolled by Houston tomorrow, like, I actually do wonder if that would be it. If yeah. they, you know if they went out to if they went into Houston tomorrow night or tonight when you're listening and lost by 25 again, I actually wonder how you bring them back to Barclays. Yeah, the blowout <laughs> like, losses I just, do.
0: Of the blowout losses of this nature, like tonight's game against the Pelicans, they start to stack up. Like they start to count for more than one in the loss column, right? Like
1: and remember too, like this is not just a one game blowout. Like I'll just I'll go through real quick. They 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 lose by yeah. So they lose by 27 uh, to the Pels tonight. They lost by 16 to OKC. Lost by six to the Wizards, who completely suck, and right. they lost. Um, they that's, lost not by vic- that's not a a moral victory. A moral victory? No, no I mean that's l- like you losing by losing by six to the Wizards is like getting crushed by a good team. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, yes, yes, right. So um, 22, lose by 22 the, to the uh, Bucks. I don't think the Detroit games really count. So like whatever. 5, lose by 5 to Denver, uh 19 to the Knicks, 17 to the Jazz, who also completely stink, yeah. Uh 4 to Golden State, 23 to Denver. I mean, that is as bad as it gets. That is double-digit losses on the regular, losses to bad teams in there. It just doesn't get worse for a stretch of 12 games or whatever in the NBA. Right. So before we hit this one that's, uh, that is lineup-related, I'm just going to throw this
0: one up here quickly because we were talking about the Lakers – And saying, 3D boxing here, uh, Johnson and the Lakers bring back Uh, D'Lo. Whether or not you like D'Lo or not, I personally would not want to bring him back. But this is like just a good reminder. When you're looking at trades like this, go look at what the contracts are. Go look at what that's going to mean. D'Angelo Russell has two years left and then a player option on the third year. You do not, and he will be picking that up. You do not want to have D'Angelo Russell with a player option on your team. So it's not just the money matching. He
1: doesn't even start for the Lakers anymore. That's what I mean.
0: It's not even the money matching or the idea, of even in that instance, of like bring back those vibes. Remember the vibes when, right? That's another big reminder here too. The pre-Superstar era for the Brooklyn Nets, which had Spencer Dinwiddie and D'Angelo Russell, those guys were all five years younger, six years younger. Like there was also an energy and a vibe around those players then that doesn't exist now for them.
1: And that's different too. Can I say one more thing about that too? Because you maybe that this is a this we'll do this on our podcast too. So I'll make it this, this relatively short. The other horrible thing with this is we've many times gone and seen these games that the Nets have played where other teams who are much better are. Ice in my mouth. Are much be- are much better. <laughs> Adam He's hates it so I hot. About he had to cool himself off first. I, I chew. I, Adam hates it because I chew ice, but I try to mute myself. But I just did, couldn't get this thought on time. All right, I spit it up. So we see like this other like the Pelicans are out there running like Dyson Daniels out there and Jordan Hawkins along with their rotation players. Even though they're a good team, they're playing. They're out there playing these young guys. Yes, and getting them like quality rotation minutes while their veterans. And good players play, and they're a good team. The Nets don't even do that. Yeah. Like they only play the veterans. You never see anybody else. No one gets developed. Like their the rookies have played the least in the whole NBA. Top twenty, top first round draft picks. The the uh, Clowney and Derek White had played the least minutes, except for like Kobe Bufkin, maybe or something. It was like one other guy of the whole NBA in terms of minutes. So you go in all these other games, like you see Stroud, you see Perry Watts, like you see all these guys from Denver. That all these guys end up playing. They're young guys. They don't even do that. They don't even without even playing the young guys. So it's like lose. It's the worst of all worlds. Lose all the games and don't develop the young guys. <laughs> so, so, so it Doesn't make any sense.
0: And that's why the last maybe the last question that we'll do here, which uh, which comes in talking about should Cam Thomas go back to the starting lineup? We'll address that in a I'm second. I'll fire it up. <laughs> but but just to but but like kind of to your point here. Now you and I maybe. We agreed on, like a guy like Noah Clowney, we both agreed, ah, oh, it's going to be a ways down the line. Derek Whitehead, he's going to take time to get back from the injury, but then when he's ready. I don't know if you would agree or disagree about this 15 games ago versus now in terms of developing those players because they're playing in the G League or a Jalen Wilson. Like I think maybe I was a little bit you know more advocating for him to get in there. He should. I talked about this. If after the trade deadline, Jalen Wilson is not playing somewhat significant minutes for the Brooklyn Nets. Something has gone wrong in the decision-making process, but it is, it is just alarming. Even all, and then you bring in all the young players that you've brought in this offseason, and none of those guys are playing really that much either for you. Trenton Watford has shown you enough to suggest he should be a consistent, even at a small, even on a small scale, consistent member of the rotation, but you don't do that. You're waiting for Lonnie De Walker to come back from injury. Dennis Smith Jr., yeah, he certainly has. But Dennis Smith Jr., for as young as he is, is a seven-year veteran of the NBA. So you're just diminishing the value that you're supposed to extract from a season like this. Be kind of exciting. Play some gritty games. Maybe win more than people expect you to. But by the end of it, be able to display all of the value you created in developing your young talent. There's still another half of season to go here. Plus, and I do think we'll look back and see those guys having played more by the end of it but I would have expected well, them to be I'm not confident around. about
1: that. They've not signaled at all that they ever want to do that. Well, if they don't, I, you, I, want, I,
0: you want to be fired up? If they don't do that, I'll, I'll tell you what, the post-trade deadline on this podcast is going to be very interesting
1: depending on what the Brooklyn Nets do for sure. They just not, this is another thing they've never signaled. They've never signaled with Vaughn that they want to play anybody young at all, except for the stupid game against the Bucks, which they never should have done, which is they, that's a team that needed every single win. And they just completely punt the game. By the way, I follow this every single night for every team in the NBA teams really just don't do that anymore. Like some teams will rest guys,
0: you know, like they don't
1: bury players. Well, well, guess what? Well, they're the the good teams or they're like completely tanking, but even the tanking teams don't do it too much. They play their guys like 24 minutes. So like there's two versions of this in the NBA going on right now. There's the version like that happens with the Spurs and the jazz where it's like the guys mostly play the games, but no one runs 35 minutes. Right, like everyone plays or sort a of thirty and below. Jordan Clarkson comes in off the bench. Right, like when Binyama's on a minutes limit. Right, like those are the bad teams. Everyone kind of agrees. Handshake agreement. You're allowed to be bad. Nobody cares. Right. That's the one version. The other version is teams like the Celtics, let's say, who do rest their guys, but guess what? They still win. So like whatever. <laughs> so like they, they they rest Chris Stapps. Uh, he doesn't play back to backs. Great news. They go out there and they still crush teams. So the, it's, they, it's a lot so, easier to
0: say. Don't give me your questions about what what decisions we make because we win a lot of basketball games. Exactly.
1: So we or, or like the Heat or whatever. That's like hey, guess what? We still win. So so whatever. So the Nets are worse. like Nets need to win every game, and then they just go out and like we're gonna rest our guys. We'll get crushed. Actually had a chance to win. Doesn't matter. Young guys, you go out there. Total disaster. Total mess. And by so the probably way, get fi- that- almost definitely gonna get fined by the league. Cause it's like right in the rules of what, we, what they don't want to have happen. And they did yeah. it. And so it's just like this whole thing. It's not where the problem started, but it exemplifies what some of the problems are. And also created some
0: type of friction with Mikhail Bridges who didn't, who didn't love, who didn't love yes. it. He didn't love that. Everybody yes. else w- was sat down. He didn't love that. He was able to keep his quote street going, but also was mitigated in terms of the minutes he was able to play. You know, it's like you bring, you get a guy like that in a trade, who is everything that you that you philosophically say you want your organization to be built on? And then you turn around and tell them, well, yeah, but not tonight. And I think that's a really hard message to send. So it does become fascinating. Just to make sure we covered it, yes, we both we both think that Cam Thomas should be in the starting lineup. We've we've laid out different scenarios of what rotation should look like. I don't think we fundamentally agree about Spencer Dinwiddie being the problem of this team, but those two players can't coexist together. So you got to do something different. And right now you are mitigating what Cam Thomas is able to accomplish and develop still as a young player. And oh, by the way, I'll just I'll put this in as my last thought. I am not convinced that Cam Thomas is not playing as much because he is not maybe a part of the trade conversations that they're having internally if they're going to maybe make what I think would be the wrong move over committing to
1: try to add a star to this roster right now. All right, maybe more questions and answers with this Nets team. Uh, we've been added here. Really appreciate everyone that jumped in. Nothing unites a fan base like getting crushed out in there in New Orleans. So sometimes that's what it takes to bring everyone together. And don't worry, folks, got a Ben Simmons update. Almost playing two-on-two. Two, so maybe just a few more weeks. On the few more weeks, on the few more weeks, on the few more weeks that have. That's why that we didn't the, make any uh, trades, because Ben. I mean, a hilarious. I mean, the Ben Simmons thing is hilarious, and not not because of him. It, I, yeah. He's hurt. I get it, but just like the, the 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 treatment of the reporting around the timeline is so funny, um, because it's he's been out like six weeks, but we're on the we're on the every two week plan with their updates. <laughs> the Brooklyn
0: The Brooklyn Nets are excited to announce a press conference where they will discuss the next update regarding Ben Simmons next potential update.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it is, it is circusy at this point, Ben ramp up Simmons. All right. We're going to get out of here. Uh, much appreciated. Everyone that jumped in. I'm going to get KNE had that uh, at the ramp up in there as a comment. So I'm not going to say, I, I I took it from him. Let give you props here. here I'll throw it mm-hmm. up here real quick. He said the ramp up. That's <laughs> no, <we're laughs> all right. We're gonna get out there. Much appreciated, everyone.
0: Yes, 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 yes. I'm sorry. Hey, look. Here's here's
1: the deal, though. Here's the deal. This is the good news. I'm gonna leave you on good news. Doesn't matter what happens with the Nets. We love talking about the Nets. We are gonna be here every single day, five days a week, and yeah, we're psychotic. Talking logically about this theme. Not gonna whine about it. We're not gonna we're not gonna just sit here and whine about how bad and whatever. We're gonna talk logically about things they can do ways they can get better, things that should happen. We'll keep looking at the numbers. That's what we're going to do all season long, and that's what you can count on. So it doesn't matter win or lose. Adam and I are going to still do. We're going to bring the same kind of stuff every single day to Nets next discussion. That you can know for sure. You can make sure you subscribe over on YouTube. If you get us close to 7,000 or get us over 7,000 yeah. subscribers there, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast as well.
0: Oh, my God, we're having a fire sale. Oh, the burning. It burns me. Evacuate all the schoolchildren. This isn't a fever. I can't even see where the knob is. Zing. Tobias Fumke.
1: Ah, oh, one of the all-time great poets. I put the glasses on so I can't see all the fire that we're spewing. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets Basketball. Every day.